Alright, welcome back, Scrambled Legs, episode number 56. It is good to be back. We have an awesome guest today, but as always, you know, in the midst of the musical training plan bracket, Ben is taking some time out of his day, and he's going to be joining us. So, Benny, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. I was pretty tired earlier. I keep, I mean, I've been getting up at 7 in the morning and running before any of my classes, which is nice to get it out of the way, but then later you know into the fourth hour of watching lectures i was struggling to keep my eyes open i'll tell you that much but i mean for the most part pretty good i had some good mac and cheese for dinner some peas and turkey bacon in it that's (laughs) all a growing boy really needs you you need to find uh, a little coffee intermediary but um today's guest is somebody pretty awesome you know i kind of stalked your your instagram a little bit to get some some background and did a little bit of research test texted our good friend of the podcast jeff hollabaugh for maybe a couple small insights that i might need and um he's from cadillac michigan still in the michigan area he was a 1996 olympian and i i maybe you would disagree but i would say your most famous pr would be 333 in the 1500 which is awesome but our guest with no more introduction needed is paul mcmullen and ben as always go ahead all right, you were warned. I don't think that we told you what the softball question is, but you know that the softball question is coming. This is important to us. We ask everyone that comes on the podcast, we need to know what your favorite pizza topping is. Oh, great question. Um, yeah, it's going to be uh, extra feta. You know, extra feta mm. makes cheese, it gives, it makes a pizza, it gives, gives us some tang, gives us some kick. Some so, tank. a man of culture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's my extra. Yep. Yeah. We, you know, we were fortunate enough to connect. I, I sent you a message on Instagram and you were said you'd be glad to take some time out and talk to us two goofballs. But um, I mean, the main thing, right? First off, you're from Cadillac, Michigan, and a lot of people probably have some familiarity. It's up. Up in northern Michigan, at least I guess I don't know where the line is technically drawn, but I'm going to call it northern Michigan, right off of 131. Uh, two lakes. Which one's your favorite, Lake Cadillac or Lake Mitchell? Uh, definitely Lake Cadillac. It's it's shorter to run around. Okay, mm. and then yeah, I mean let's just let's just kind of start. You know, is that is that where you fell in love? I know your your brother is a great athlete as well. Just what um you know that's kind of I'm assuming some of your roots in running. Maybe just yeah. quick there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Cadillac, Michigan, man, it's, uh, it's one of the higher, higher parts of, uh, Northern lower peninsula. So we got like 1500 vertical feet there, which isn't, doesn't really affect altitude or anything, but I think what, what makes it famous nowadays is this is where Donovan Brazier goes and bow hunts, man, and goes fishing. He goes fishing on Lake Mitchell and Lake Cadillac on his pontoon boat, Cause that's where his mom lives. So, um, you know, it used to say at the city limits, welcome to hometown of Paul McMullen, 1996 Olympian, which I, I have that sign now in my, in my garage. They've s- since then changed the city limits, uh, signs, you know, just to kind of some, you know, artsy, you know, whatever sign. But, um, but I think, you know, since then, you know, people forget a guy after, you know, 30, whatever, 26 years of, you know, it was the last time I ran, but Donovan Brazier, um, you know, the world champ for crying out loud, you know, Mr. 142, um, 
he hangs out in Cadillac, man. So uh, I think that makes it, I think that makes Cadillac the neatest now, you know? Yeah, for sure. But so when did you really get into, get into running? So, so running, um, running for me started when I was real young. We used to play this game called reverse tag and it would be eight to 10 kids would just try to lay a hand on me and they would chase me all over the neighborhood. And then, uh, that's when I started, got a, you know, got a hint, you know, I just could keep going and I could run pretty fast. And, uh, and then, uh, football conditioning in uh, seventh grade, uh, coach says, wow, I've never seen anyone run like that. You know, when you're doing the laps around the football field. And then, then I ran into this thing called Osgood slaughters, which, uh, makes the knees really tender and sore whenever you run. So I had to take a year off. And then when I was 16, um, just after I got my driver's license, um, uh, went on spring break, you know, in you know, early March or whatever. And, um, and then started to do a little bit of running. And, uh, so as a sophomore in high school, I, I started my sort of organized track career at that point. And, and then, uh, I just, things kept going from there. You know, I mean, I was, I, I think my, my biggest claim to fame are, are two things, you know, really, you know, no one's ever seen a man six foot two, 180 pounds ever run that fast before, you know, over a mile. And then, uh, that's number one. And then number two, uh, no one's ever seen someone run that fast with only eight toes. Cause I chopped off a couple in a lawnmower once. So, yeah, so that, that was something, you know, I didn't know if I, I read a little thing on Wikipedia or a little runner runner's world article. I tried to do a little bit of homework and research for this. And that was something that, that came up and was like, I, it was kind of one of those, I didn't know, do, do I ask, do I, but boom, right off the bat, there you go. He said, oh, you gotta ask the question, man. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, you know, what, what do you do, you know, when you're a, you know, let's say you, you, you play the piano, right. And, and, uh, instead of, you know, 10 digits, you only have eight, you know, you don't, you don't play the same kind of music. So, um, that was an event that happened in my life. Um, after a 10 mile run, when I lived in Ypsilanti, I uh, was mowing, uh, a neighbor's lawn at a really, really steep bank. And, um, that neighbor, uh, you know, was kind of managed by kind of a sl local slumlord. And so they never mowed the lawn. So I kind of took it upon myself the previous summer to mow the lawn. And then I did it again, you know, this summer or, you know, but it was, I was doing it on June 3rd uh, 2007 or no, 2000 or 1997, June, geez, June 3rd, 1997 is when I was, uh, it was ninth, June 9th. I think 1997 actually was when it, when I did it, it was about a week before the U S championships where I was going to try to defend my title for the third time. I'd, I'd won the previous two years, 95 and 96 and in 97, I was going to try to do a three P and, um, Anyway, I'm mowing the lawn and on June 9th, it was the first time that, that the lawn had been mowed. So I set the deck of the lawnmower super high. The grass was super green and, and, uh, and wet. And I was just walking it down a bank after I'd mowed it and my right foot slipped forward and I fell backwards, you know, kind of like if you were to slip and fall going down a hill, your, your one foot goes forward and then you kind of fall back, right? 
Well, I pulled back on the handle of the lawnmower and it was, the deck was set super high. It gave a space for my toe to go underneath there. And it sounded like I ran into a root, man. Just almost stopped the blade, blazed right through my Asics running shoe. And uh, I, uh, I rolled the lawnmower off of my foot and uh, I looked down and I just simply calmly said that's not good <laughs> i i could see the white bone you know from the second and third toe and then the big toe started to bleed and uh i was like well i'm not gonna repeat a third year you know in the 1500 meter outdoor that's gone um and uh then i went to the hospital and uh orthopedic surgeon uh who was a quarterback from notre dame uh, ended up, um, making the call not to reattach my toes, uh, for the risk of, uh, infection. And then, um, he had to cut off the ASIC shoe and, you know, at, just before he did it, there was this sort of dramatic moment where I was going to, I asked him, you know, am I going to be able to run again? And, uh, he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll jog, you know, you'll be fine. And this was my moment to explain to him that I was in the Olympics, you know, yeah. the previous here he's like really i go uh yeah and he goes well it's an interesting time you just asked me that because i'm gonna cut this shoe off and if your big toe stays on i you got a good chance you know at at running fast again whether you'll ever break the four minute mile again i have no clue um so as he cut cut through the tongue of the shoe and pulled that shoe off of my foot um my big toe just kind of went and then sort of hung on and he, he, I didn't have, wasn't on any pain medication or anything. So I'm chewing down on a, a wet towel and he's taking a look at it and he goes, I think you're going to be okay, man. I, I think there's enough, uh, you know, circulation uh, that you're going to be all right. It's broken all the hell. There's a big, big cut in it, but I can sew that up. I, I you know, I think you're going to be all right. You know, we'll get you some good physical therapy and we'll see what happens. So um, the, the end of that story is crazy because eight months later, I won the indoor national championship mile in, uh, in 355 and, uh, was named athlete of the meet at the USA indoors and, uh, um, was again, national champion. Uh, and that was only eight months after I did that to my foot, you know, in a personal best time. So, um, the power of the mind to, to overcome the unknown and to push through when a lot was at stake. You know, my, my shoe contract was up for, for renewal and uh, they slashed my base salary from 50 grand down to uh, 25. And then uh, my agent put a whole bunch of incentives in there in case I, you know, came back and ran sub four and uh, made a made a ton of money, uh, uh, <laughs> indoor, uh, in, uh, in about six or seven races, I made a ton of money. It was, uh, it was a heck of a payday, but, uh, um, I had a great coach and, and, and saw, saw, saw through, uh, what would have normally been a devastating injury. So, yeah, yeah that is, <laughs> that is a pretty crazy story. And I can't, I'm trying to think of, right. You know, 
let's let's say whoever Matt Matt Centrowitz, you know, he's out mowing his neighbor's lawn, the the slumlord neighbor's lawn. That yeah. you you don't hear that anymore, and <laughs> that I think maybe maybe it's different wherever you are, but it really takes to holy shnikes, there's the proof. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it really takes to right the the like Michigan Northern Michigan roots you have there, I think at least, and that's kind of one of the. You know, I, I maybe you did this, maybe you didn't, Ben, but I always tried to get out of, of mowing the lawn by pushing it back to like the day before a meet so that I, you know, oh, I'll do it after the meet, it, whatever, whatever. And, you know, I don't know if our dad heard oh, that I hated story. Push mowing. Push oh, mowing was horrible. Push mowing was tough. But if our dad heard that story, what my mind goes everywhere. Like, never let your kid mow the lawn again or he'll be fine no matter what happens if he's mowing the lawn like because the, really the only part of our lawn that we have to push mow is the steep bank yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but still, yep. so i i have to ask that this is i'm i'm dumb these are the kind of questions that come into my mind so did, was the shoe like triple quadruple knotted that he had to cut it off he couldn't just like untie it and take a shoe off yeah um they, yeah they just wanted to cut down up the middle and then and then open it up yep mm. and and the other question is did did you find the pieces of your toes right that's and, yeah i mean of course yeah, i would have asked that eventually <laughs> yeah i had to the neighbors that came over and helped me i had to pick my toes out of the lawn and then put them in a glass of ice and i took them with me to the hospital so they didn't reattach them so you want to talk about a weird experience that's, Cut off that's a, looking for your toes with the neighbors yeah, yeah that's man it's so weird yeah so, so weird. we're we're not quite chronological and you know i feel like we but so you went to cadillac you started running later than you would say most people did you went on oh, to yeah. eastern michigan and i mean you must have had some some success that you continued running after that and so i mean i don't know if you want to cover anything there do you want to talk yeah. about winning the 1500 in 95 whatever it is like there's yeah. a lot of good stuff to you know just get a little glimpse of yeah i'll just give you i mean i mean what it, what, it, what it boils down to is you had a middle distance runner with the mentality of a an aggressive hard-hitting football player right so um i, I in my own mind i always just wanted to be a football player you know, running kind of chose me. I, I was a violent, um, six foot two, 210 pound, four or five in the 40, um, just violent weapon uh, on a football field. You know, this is before concussions were, were, you know, mapped and stuff. But I mean, I mean, I was just, just a mean, mean football player. Um, and, uh, and loved it. Absolutely. Just loved it. I loved it. I love the violence that I could get away with on a football field. And so people sometimes ask, you know, when they watched me run and, uh, it looked like I was angry, you know, and, and they were right. You know, I, I was able to summon my rage, you know, towards the, the final 200 meters or the last, last 400 meters of a mile. And then just, you know, frothing at the mouth, you know, just bringing, you know, just an, uh, a surge of, of speed that um, the other guys aggressively didn't naturally have because distance runners aren't typically as aggressive as a, as a, you know, as a football player. And, um, and that really bode well for me because I, I didn't get as nervous as other people because no one was trying to kill me. You know, I would, 
I was the kick return man, the punt return guy. And that's a nerve wracking position, you know, to stand there and take the ball and then have 11 guys try to hit you, you know, and that was scary, you know, running a mile and a little nervous about running a bunch of running with a bunch of skinny guys. That, that wasn't bad at all. You know, um, that later I got scared when I had to race Hickam El Garouge <laughs> because, you know, it wasn't his size I was worried about. It was the size of his lungs I was worried about. But uh, uh, that's that's for a different story. But um, uh, yeah, I I went to Eastern Michigan and and I was fortunate enough with my coach, Coach Parks. He would tell me what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear. And I was a product of of that direct you know, um, at times almost hurtful truth because it's what you needed to hear. And he coined my freshman year, a complete disaster. And he wasted the $800, uh, scholarship that, that he, uh, that he paid me to come to Eastern Michigan because, um, I, I was just a disappointment. And, uh, that was my first year. I mean, I went to the dining commons. You were talking about eating macaroni and cheese earlier, Dude, I mean, I I would just sit there and park it, you know, and I added not not a freshman to 15, almost a freshman 50, you know, I mean, it was, I was big, you know, and because uh, running wasn't going well and nor should it have. My furthest run when I left high school was five miles in my first day of cross country practice, which I'd never even done cross country before. We ran 14 miles. So that's a recipe for disaster right there. Um, but one thing Coach Parks didn't um, couldn't predict, and, and nor could I and, or anyone else that would have watched my career, is, is and not to toot my own horn, but you, you can't measure the, the resolve of someone uh, once they make a decision to try to answer the question, how good can I really be? right? It's a, a conscious sort of epiphany. When I was watching uh, a, an Olympics commercial during the Super Bowl, and I decided to take responsibility for the gift God gave me. And despite my size, I had, I must have had an off the charts VO2 max. And I just love racing, man. So uh, the way not to lose was to start to train more seriously and, and, and training off the track as in watching what I eat. So I dropped from 210 down to 180 pounds, you know, and that's a, that's a 30, 30 pound swing. And, uh, that's like three backpacks, you know, if you're walking to class in the morning and, uh, I didn't have to carry that anymore. And, uh, and my body responded amazingly well. And I just kept I just kept taking it. So, uh, came in at four nineteen point nine, you know, out of high school and left Eastern Michigan at three fifty seven, uh, breaking the four minute mile, uh, down at Notre Dame in 1995. So that was, that was Eastern Michigan and Eastern Michigan just had studs, man, for, for runners. And they were, I learned from observation and I used the runners on my team like rungs on a ladder and I would slowly, you know, catch another one and catch another one and catch another one until I was, you know, king of the hill. 
you know? And, uh, and then I went from my team to my conference, to my state, to the, to the, to the nation until there wasn't anybody ahead of me where I got tripped up is when I went to the world level. Right. That's yeah. where that got a little more tricky, you know, cause, um, back then EPO was used quite a bit. Now I'm racing against people that train at altitude and it was, uh, I was only allowed me to get to 10th in the world in 1995 and 2001, uh, which still isn't shabby, you know, considering <laughs> still a big dude, man. I mean, I, I outweighed everybody on that line by, by 40 or 50 pounds. It was, and, but that's as light as I could get. You can't ask, my frame to go any lower because at that point my body fat was around one one and a half percent at 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 with everything so anyway there's 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 a synopsis for you to to get to uh where i'm at today so to speak yeah no that's that's pretty that'll that'll do it yeah (laughs) that's that's pretty good and um i'm curious of your kind of you talk about your tactics and in is that you know using and just kind of harnessing this aggression and like calming the storm until 200 meters and just knowing that you can kind of use, like, is there a, a switch that you flipped? Is there like something that ran through your head or did you just kind of know, you know, I get to this point point, it's my race. Like one thing that always used to help me was you kind of in running a 1600 in high school, it'd be like, all right, 1200, you're in the field, run with everybody. And it's a 400 meter race and figure out how you're going to beat people over 400 meters. Like that was something that helped my mind. So what is something, obviously you got to win races at a lot of obviously way bigger levels than I've ever even competed in. And what, you know, what is kind of channeling that the football player mindset you had into running a mile? Can you kind of, I don't just like put it straight into race tactics other than like, you know, you got aggressive, you got angry. Like that's, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm really curious about it. You really sparked something in me there. Yeah. So you, the, the idea is, is that you have to create some kind of conflict in your head against the other competitors. Right. And, and even if it's, you know, uh, actual or, um, perceived or even made up, there's something you have a grudge match to, to take out on them, you know, you know, like, uh, let's see the 1996 Olympic trials. I won the one, won the 1996 Olympic trials. And there was one quote that stuck with me. And that was that Steve Holman, the favorite, um, fe- uh, he was, he was quoted to say, I have no one to worry about at the Olympic trials other than myself. And, and there's really not another competitor out there I need to worry about. And I think he was just trying to say that, you know, mentally he, he struggles and it's, 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 it's himself that he needs to do it. But I twisted that into, he didn't even consider the, the 1995 U S champion as even a threat to him winning the Olympic trials. You see what I mean? Yeah. And so, when when I see that quote, I then transfer it into a personal offense to me, and I'm going to I'm going to punish him with my legs and with my tactics, whether it's bo- boxing him in 
or it is uh, making a move before he's ready, or if he's ahead of me um, and he looks up at the Jumbotron, he's just going to see a freight train coming and there's nothing he can do to stop it. So um, prior to the race, it's really important to calm your mind though, right? Because if you are going to turn yourself inside out over that last last lap, you have to run the first 800 meters really, really calm, you know? So the, you really just want to chill with some really good meditative um, breathing in your warm-up time during your stretches and stuff, just to, just to make sure that the, the nerves you feel are being channeled in a positive way and they're not ramping up your adrenal glands and causing you to overthink or, um, you know, blow out those adrenal glands you want access to in the later part of the race. So once I get through the first 800, where typically I don't like to lead, but be either in second or third, or if it's really fast, I'm fine with eighth place, you know, and this is on, you know, an elite level at the, at the, you know, in Europe. And then, then the, the concentration comes, right. It's, you know, you have, you're taking the ACT or you're taking the SAT test and you've saved the hardest questions for the last and you got 15 minutes to go right. in the test before they collect all the, the exams it's that concentration that's required in the third 400 of a 1600 meter. Um, and you don't want to slow down. You want to hold that pace as long as you can. And then when you hear the bell, it's like, um, it's like a, it's like a huge release. You know, there's, there's a big, a couple of deep breaths and then you plant a seed in your head of, who am I going to catch? Is it going to be that guy that's in third? Is it going to be the guy in second? Or maybe I can take a shot at winning this thing because I'm in fifth or sixth place at the time. And so then you mount this thing called momentum, right? And you move from sixth to fifth. You move from fourth to third. And then you start to believe that the guy in first isn't that far away. And you have something to deliver to him and it is a convincing blow that today he will not win and he will have to concede to your powerful kick and that's how you win these things um that's what's going through your head while you're in excruciating pain and in complete anaerobic nightmare towards the end of the of the race and you concentrate on form where fast hands make fast feet and you drive and you drive and you see him look back at you going, oh, crap, here he comes. And you go, yes, I am. And I'm going to go right by you. If I'm in the lead and I'm coming off the last corner, I don't look back, which terrifies the people trying to catch you because they know you're extremely focused on getting to the finish line and, and you're ready for them. And maybe you even saved one more 50 meter burst for the end. That'll surprise them. And even if they are coming with a head of steam, you still beat them. So in a synopsis, that's kind of what goes through what I would consider to be uh, a championship style, you know, mind, you know, it has instincts, a general plan, and then an unflinching execution 
of a, of a race strategy that's trying to win. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't, but I've, at least on the U S level, I, I won, I won several races I was in because of that, that type of thinking in, in when I would, when I would run. So yeah, the, anyway, that's the, what you got. The guy in third place on the last turn and it's just a freight train from hell just being delivered. And that's, you know, I myself am about five, eight, about a buck 40. And that would be scary. And like, even some guys I run against, I'm not, I'm not taller than anybody really, but a little more broad than some guys, you know, Ben and I are both pretty familiar with, with playing all kinds of other sports. And it's, I, I can't even imagine, right. Six, two, one eighty. Olympic trials, just barreling down the home straight four five forty speed with pads on like that kind of stuff is, is nightmarish itself. Like you might've scared some of the, the anaerobic nightmares away. You might've given them their own nightmares, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's some pretty interesting insight. Is there anything that, you know, you kind of draw off on that Ben or not really, I kind of got the, uh, the Jordan last dance. Like I took that personal vibe. Oh no, that's exactly what I was thinking when you were talking about the, uh, the quote and how you twisted it and used it to make you mad is like, Oh, this guy would get along with Michael Jordan pretty well <laughs> that, uh, I, I took that personally. And so I dropped 60 on his ass or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever Michael did. Yeah. Uh, you right on the mark. So when I watched, when I watched that, that, that show or I watched the, the documentary, um, not to say that I'm anywhere near Michael Jordan. I just want to make that crystal clear. The dude just is amazing to watch, and as he should be. I mean, he's right up there with Muhammad Ali, Tiger Woods, you know, you, you name it. Um, but when, when, he, when he was recognized by his teammates that he was a little bit of an a-hole, you know, he wasn't very nice. And he, he set a bar of, of intensity that, uh, that you needed to match, um, uh, on my team. <laughs> That's, uh, that, that would have been me. I wasn't, I wasn't a, I wasn't a jerk, but, um, you, you wanted to bring it if you were on my relay team. And if you didn't, you'd hear about it. So, um, so in that sense, you know, Michael Jordan and, and I would, would have, uh, would have, would have, you know, been that way. Um, 1993, we were four by eight national champions. You know, uh, I, I had a previous PR of 151 and ran 147.6 that day. So, you know, I said, give me the baton. Uh, by the time I hand it over, you'll be in first. And we were running against the defending champion, you know, the University of Florida. And I was able to say that, and I delivered it. And, and, uh, and we ended up came, coming away with the, you know, the NC, Divi NCAA Division I National Championship, you know, gold, gold plaque, I guess. We don't get medals. But, um, and then we were going against um, – University of Florida, which is defending champions. They were, they won it the year before and they, they were anchoring, you know, this dude named Scott Peters, which ran 145 indoor, you know, and we still beat them. So, but it was three other guys, including me, but, um, mine was the significant jump to, to, uh, you know, bring it around. So, uh, but, you know, I mean, nowadays, you know, what do you use? Or how do I, you know, 
you change, right? And, and, uh, you know, people ask me, you know, what can you run a mile in right now? Right. And, uh, it's kind of fun. Maybe for your listeners that this summer I ran, ran 438, you know, if you follow me on Strava, you can see, uh, you know, I, (laughs) uh, I put, I put down a 438 this summer, you know, that was after a fourth, I ran a 4:45, and then I ran another. Then, then about three weeks later, I ran a 4:38, and then, you know, some of the people that are watching that going, "Dude, you you might." So remember, I'm 48 years old. They're like, "Dude, you might you might run, you might run in the four, you know, 420s." You know, what would happen if you ran in the 420s and you're 48 years old and you weigh 200 pounds? I go, I don't know. So, you know. <laughs> there's uh i'm a coach now and as i struggle with those questions right what do you train for what are you capable of it refreshes my memory of how to help my own athletes you know have personal breakthroughs um i'm I'm currently the coach of chariots of fire track club and um it's mostly you know 16 and under kids um but uh you know i got some I got some monsters coming, you know, that you've never heard of that are going to change, you know, Michigan running soon. And and they already have for some, some of them already have, that I'd love to talk about. So, um, so anyway, yeah, that's just kind of what's going on, you know, all the way from way back in the day till, till now. So. Yeah. Ben, you got any more questions for, I mean, I got a couple of coaching, coaching questions, but Ben, you got anything from what we've already covered here? Uh, no, I mean, it's some of, some of the stories are just, uh, making me relive the glory days in in my head of when I was fit. (laughs) There you go. That is a, that's a freight train from, butt. um, all right. Yeah. So then in, in taking, you know, all the experiences you've had and different things like that and moving into the world of coaching, which I'm, I'm nowhere near on the, the level of experiences, but you know, I, I plan on trying to coach at some point, what are, what are some of the biggest takeaways you've had with, with being able to help athletes and kind of using, I don't know, maybe some of your favorite workouts or some of your favorite strategies that, that can help, especially in a place like Michigan, where I'm sure, you know, winter practices, they're not all, you know, peaches and cream all the time. Sometimes you get a ton of snow. Sometimes you got terrible temperatures, horrible winds. You never really know what's coming. What are some of the things I'm assuming you're not just training one group. It sounds like you work with a lot of different groups of kids. What are, what are some of the things that, you know, you've really started to take away in your multiple years of coaching? Yeah, it's a, it, I appreciate, um, you know, taking a look at that. Cause I think really that's, that's a relevant thing, you know, for your podcast. Cause we got a lot of people out there running right now that hopefully can, can listen to this during the winter. So, um, so first of all, I started Chariots of Fire Track Club, um, uh, I don't know, five years ago with three, three boys. And uh, now um, there are, under my direct coaching, there are uh, 85 kids that I currently coach. And, um, and that is not year-round. Um, there's, there's some natural breaks in there. And some of the kids are multi-discipline uh, athletes, which I encourage. Um, but they come back, you know, in the off season, and they get in amazing shape to get ready to go back into their normal season. And then some of them have, have started to stay with me on a on a more consistent basis, you know, for probably nine months of the year of training. 
And um, one thing that we do um, for, for young people is we don't train, I don't train them like an Olympian. I train them like Olympians trained when they were young. And so, and, and I make it more personal to specifically me. What, I, what did I do when I was a kid um, that, uh, that made me a better runner uh, mentally and also physically? So, for instance, one of, the, one of the things we do is we have this old wooden toboggan and we'll take some of our younger uh, athletes that are, when I say athletes, they're, you know, they're 10, 9, 8 years old. We put them on this toboggan. And then I strap four strong, you know, either girls or boys to that, that toboggan. And they'll pull those three or four kids through the woods on the trails. And then we put these sheet metal screws in our shoes. And we wear, you know, trail shoes like Solomon or um, uh, Merrill's or, you know, any you know, Nike makes a lot of good make Nike makes some great uh, trail running shoes as well. And in the, the thick part of the lug of those uh, trail shoes, we'll put these sheet metal screws. It's a number eight hexagon head that's uh, three eighths of an inch. And it's phenomenal what kind of traction that that provides for the athletes. And it's amazing how your mental, uh, um, well, it's amazing how much more you enjoy winter running when you don't have the fear of falling on your butt, right? <laughs> and so the kids really respond to having great traction. They'll, the four of them will pull the toboggan through the woods, probably, you know, 400 meters or so. It, it, it intentionally doesn't slide very good. So it doesn't go down the hills too fast and run over the people that are running ahead of it. So it has this natural resistance to it. They're exhausted. They trade it out with another four fresh, you know, horses. We, 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 then the kids that are on the sled got cold. So they jump off and they start running. And then we just work our way through a three mile trail run, pulling uh, a toboggan, which is great. Yesterday we had boys versus girls, 20 minutes, high intensity. How many times can you go up and down the sledding hill? And once you got to the bottom, you screamed girl or you screamed boy. And then a parent was doing a tally to see who won boys or girls with a team of, I think it was 16 girls versus uh, nine boys. And the score was 174 runs up and down the hill versus 166 was the guys. And the number of smiles and the exhaustion that all of them had um, doing that, and they're just in their running shoes. They're not in. They're not in. Uh, you know, boots and snow pants. You know, they just got running sh running tights on and and uh, big heavy gloves so they don't their hands don't get too cold. And then just their running shoes and their and then a hoodie. And they're just going up and down the hill as fast as they can. We use a lot of headlamps. So we go through the woods in the dark and the kids are great at that. Um, we do a lot of uh, running in the summer in the water on the, the sandbars of, of Lake Michigan, uh, like into your waist, you know, when it's really, really warm. We put a ice bucket 
uh, we put three, three, ga- three five-gallon buckets of ice water in the middle of a field and then hand out a solo beer cup, red to girls, blue to boys, and they chase each other around trying to throw freezing cold water on each other on a 90-degree day, barefoot in the grass. And so as you can see, the I try to combine an awesome smile with absolute, you know, full on, you know, cardiovascular, uh, you know, development. And then the results will blow your mind. So right now, Chariots of Fire developed the number two fastest freshman in 2020 for cross country. He ran 1618. His name's Seth Norder. So he's number two freshman in the state. And then the number one uh, eighth grader in the state, Killian uh, Whalen out of Allendale, ran sixteen nineteen, right right behind Seth. They went over and ran the uh, meet of champions, you know, over in uh, Freeland, which is over in your neck of the woods, right? Closer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So yeah, those guys came uh, fifth and sixth in the, uh, you know, not the top tier, but the next one, and uh, um, and then. You know, Allison Shimaluski out of Ross Common, you know, uh, ran six times under 18 minutes this this uh, this this past cross country season. And I, you know, I give her her workouts every week and um, encourage cross training like cross country skiing in the winter. We hook up with Hunter Jones up in uh, um, Benzie Central. Uh, Central. Uh, Nick Willis and I run. Uh, we've had Zoom calls with Annie Fuller, who just transferred from Michigan State down to Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a Zoom call with Donovan Brazier. And uh, so, you know, he, he, he gave us commentary of what he was thinking while he was watching the video of him winning the gold medal at the World Championships in 2019. And so, as a coach, that's my job is to expose my kids to these real life heroes, you know, and, and the results are amazing because the, my kids realize they're just, they're just regular people. You know, I ask them questions like you guys are asking me great questions that make them human and, and make their feats not seem so inhuman. But if, if you connect with the right, training group, the right coach, you, you can do amazing things. And, um, there are, there are, I could name five kids that you've never heard their names of that will literally transform. Um, uh, in addition to, to Seth Norder and, and Killian Whalen, that'll transform Michigan, Michigan cross country and track. And, and it's coming They're They're just, they're just studs. And, and you're asking, well, am I overtraining them? Not even close but am I strapping them to a, a sled and they're pulling them through the, the woods in the winter? Yeah. And, and that kid's going to race you and they're not going to be pulling a sled and, and you better watch out because they're going to bring the heat. They are going to bring the heat. So, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of us are running in the only, I think, I think one of the very few real 5k, runs that are coming up and i like to announce it on your podcast if i could yeah. it's the break the ice 5k in south haven on february 6th and i think it's safe to say hunter jones is going to be running uh that race 
Um, Miley Kelly, she just broke 18 for the first time. And if you guys know Hunter Jones, right? 1451, yeah. you know, cross he's going to run this, this little 5k in South Haven. And then I got a few of my, my kids that are kind of come down there and, and run with them. So, um, uh, so it should be, it should be a, and it's a flat course. It's February 6th. It's going to be freezing, but it's a real race. We're all starting on the same line. I don't think they provide any bathrooms. So, you know, you better go figure that out at the local, um, you know, Admiral gas station or whatever you got to do, <laughs> but I'm going to run it. You know, I'm going to bring some heat. Maybe I can get into the 16s, you know, I'll just try to, I'll try to put a bungee cord on Hunter Jones and slow him down and see if he can pull my, my fat butt around. So. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's just, that's just where I'm at, man. I'm in, I'm in a zone for, for coaching and, and, uh, bringing these kids into, into a new place. I mean, uh, you know, some of my, I mean, dude, have you ever heard of an 11 year old break five minutes in the mile? Not personally. No. (laughs) Yeah. Me me neither. (laughs) This, this kid, this kid on soccer fitness, uh, we call him mini Thor his name's Luca Hammond. He, he broke five minutes last year, man. I mean, legit, like in a grand, you know, in a GVSU, you know, high yeah. school indoor meet, the kid breaks five minutes, you know, and he, he's 11 years old, you know? So, um, and, and he's, he's, I mean, the mentality I just told you to win a mile, that kid makes me look like a, like a wimp. I mean, the, the, the anger and vengeance that kid will bring on you. You have no idea. I mean, he, he's a monster. I have to hold him back all the time, you know? So, but, uh, I'm going to cut him loose down there at that 5k too. So if you want to see a little 12 year old rip a a 5k, probably in the 17s, that's, what's going to happen for that kid. Cause I've had him tied to a sled and gave him a Hershey bar for the last three weeks and he's ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) My, my last question for you, Paul is, um, What's the, what's the biggest thing you've learned from the kids, right? Cause it's always, and it's been this way with like every coach I've ever had. Like there's some, there's some, it's a two way street. There's some give and take both ways. And, you know, you get to use a lot of the things that you've had to, to help them improve and to just to, just to work on and coaching them in their, in their mentality and their pure physical athleticism. But what's, what's one of the biggest takeaways that you've had from coaching the kids? It, that that's an awesome question. So I got this in, inside thing with um, Annie Fuller. You know, she she's uh, her. I, I raced against her dad, and then I sold medical devices to her mom, who's an OBGYN doctor. And then our paths crossed. So Annie Fuller calls me Peter, and Peter stands for Peter Pan, and I call her I call her Tinkerbell because. Uh, she has what all of my kids have. It's like this youth dust, right? And so the only way for a 48 year old to um, even consider running like this, because it's extremely painful is I, I get from my kids just a little bit of that Tinkerbell dust so that I can fly again, you know, and, and hold off, you know, getting old. And, um, and it's a real thing, right? So, so I, I encourage some of the people that come out and run with us, they, they've seen it as well. There's a youthful, you know, uh, just, just, I mean, just, just the sheer joy. Remember when we first started to run everybody and, and we just loved it. Right. It, it was, it was barefoot in the grass, 
and and you know there was a sprinkler involved and probably a frisbee or or whatever it was and we were giggling and we were laughing and that's what the chariots of fire athletes have and they give that to me um and and i'm in the mix you know all the time sometimes i'm in the back when i need an easy day you know sometimes i'm in the front when when uh when the kids are 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 needing to push and um uh that's what they give me they, they give me they give me pixie dust and uh they make me feel young again so um i don't know where that's gonna go but uh Maybe into the four twenties, dude. Maybe into the four teens. We'll see. I mean, awesome. Nick, Nick, dude, Nick Willis just broke the four minute mile nineteen years in a row. 19. What? He's crazy. Those numbers they don't make sense. <laughs> There's another guy. You know, you, you can call Peter Pan, man. I mean, he's had hip surgeries, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. He's just amazing. You know, again, another Michigan person, right? Yeah. I mean. Uh, Frazier, Michigan person. I mean, you just gotta love it. You know, Dathan Ritz and I, he's out in Colorado now. He's still from Michigan. You can't, you can't, you can't leave. You can't move out to Colorado and take the Michigan out of a guy. No. Nope. So, anyway, there's just so many of us. I just love it. No, it is great. And um, Ben, you got any any last questions here for for Paul? And, uh, I read a really interesting piece about. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Chariot and Angoy, those guys that are. What they're from Kenya, I think, like two of the fifteen hundred runners yep. on the planet right now, and they're like their training group, right? Their coaches is, is fascinating because he was like a world class martial artist, and then now he's like coaching a distance runners at like the world championship level. But they in their training group, they have this thing that like when you become the best of the best, they have this workout that like I don't know what they call it, but they basically like strap a sled to a guy and just have him go over like just these rolling hills. I forget how far they said it was, but they just, right. They just put sled on him and are like, all right, go. And just thinking about work and you, right. You look at what so many people are doing with training and it's so like, it's all, it's basically like making something in a lab. Like you are, you got to do this time for this number of reps for this distance and, and hearing like all the success that you're having, right. Strapping a toboggan to these kids and making them run up and down hills and, and yell boy and girl. And then you look at like the highest level guys in the world. Like li- these are the best 1500s on the planet. And they're just like, all right, put a sled on them and have at it little buddy. Like it's, it's incredible. I never would have thought that this would have, would have worked but i mean on on this podcast that i i think i've been preaching a little bit at the current at the point that i'm in in my life is that it's way more important that you have fun and that you're happy than than you hitting every single time and trying to be like the the best ever it's i mean my my senior year of high school was it was storybook it was it was perfect it was so much fun because i i realized like i don't have to be anything i am here because i want to be so I'm going to enjoy it. And yep. that's, oh, it's, I love, I could listen to stories like that all day, Paul. That's so <laughs> cool. And yeah. I, it just made me think, I, I've not been like doing a ton of real hard training, but I think that the best workout that I've had in the last six months was a game of ultimate Frisbee that I played with. Uh, well, and I, I live with everyone in my house right now. There's six of us who are all, either on the Michigan cross-country team or were on the Michigan cross-country team. 
And yep. right next door to us is six more guys that are all on the Michigan cross country team. So we did a house versus house ultimate Frisbee game of all like big 10 endurance athletes. It was incredible. It was the best workout I've had in months. <laughs> and That's it was awesome. fun. We we're all smiling. Exactly. So in Sullivan's your coach, right? Yeah. 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 See, yeah. Dude, he, he and I, we, I mean, we've shared blood, man. I mean, we're forever bonded. If, if you see he and, and I'm thinking of coming down there next Tuesday, actually, and, and going out for one of his, his lunch runs, he, you know, he does his nine or 10 milers. Yep. Yeah. I'm at seven mm -hmm. minute pace. Never goes any faster. I see him on Strava. I'm going to go out and join him <laughs> and we're going to, cause I'm trying to learn how to prepare my kids for the recruiting process, you know, and, hmm. and Sullivan can teach me that kind of stuff. But just as you guys go, I want to just give you a visual. I'll try to explain it. So four kids with life vests on. So, you know, the, the vests that will distribute the, the torque over their whole body. And then it also kind of constricts their lungs a little bit. And then, then the, all four of the, of the ropes that are attached to the toboggan are different lengths. So they're not running right next to each other. There's a lead dog, you know, lead sled dog runner, and then a second, a third, and a fourth. And then you have these giggling six, eight, you know, nine-year-olds in, in the toboggan, just loving every minute of it just laughing and they can't take it. And, and someone else wants to be the next to ride in the toboggan while the strong kids pull. So that's what happens over here in Grand Haven. That's what uh, the magic is happening. And, and if it's in Kenya pulling a sled or we've all watched the, the um, uh, Usain Bolt uh, documentary, the whole first part of that whole thing, the dude's pulling a sled all over the place, right? You know, the Jamaican top sprinter in the world's pulling a sled all over the place. That's where all this came from. So, and I did it as a kid. I pulled my little brother through the snow over to the sledding hill when I was 9, 10, 12, 13 years old, and he was three years younger. And he loved every minute of it. And I'm just, I'm just not training my kids like Olympians. I'm training them like Olympians trained when they were kids. So that's it. Appreciate you taking some time out of your, out of your night, Paul. It was awesome to uh, get to know you, chat, hear some stories and hopefully anyone out there listening, you know, you guys took something away from it too. Um, we will, we'll tag him on social media as you can go follow what's going on with, with Paul and is, does Chariots of Fire have like any social media platform? Yeah, we just have Facebook, man. Yep. Okay. I will, I'll share it on Facebook. We've got a Facebook, so, um, you guys know where to find us in the Scrambled Legs podcast. Make sure you keep voting on Ben's bracket challenge with the musical training plan this week. And we will catch you guys next week. Thanks again. Thank you so much. All right. See you.